And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Tuesday, September the 14th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today on September 14, 1814, Francis Scott Key. Yeah, I mentioned him yesterday because he was in the fight overnight. Well, it's the next morning now. He was so inspired, as I said yesterday, he wrote the poem today officially. He titled it Defense of Fort McHenry. Later, that poem was changed to the Star-Spangled Banner. He wrote it after he witnessed the American flag still flying over the Maryland fort following a night of British naval bombardment during the War of 1812. The Star-Spangled Banner, Oh Say Can You See, by the dawn's early light. Today, in 1812, Napoleon Bonaparte's troops, they entered Moscow, Russia, following the Battle of Borodino, they found the Russian city largely abandoned. Parts of it had been set ablaze. Today, in 1836, former Vice President Aaron Burr, he died in Staten Island, New York. He was 80 years old. Today, in 1861, the first naval engagement of the Civil War took place. The USS Colorado attacked and sank the Confederate private schooner Judah off Pensacola, Florida. Today in 1901, President William McKinley, he died in Buffalo, New York. He died as the result of gunshot wounds that had been inflicted by an assassin. Vice President Theodore Roosevelt succeeded him. Teddy Roosevelt became president. Today in 1982, Princess Grace of Monaco, she was formerly the film star, Grace Kelly. She died at age 52 of injuries from a car crash the day before. That, of course had a lot of intrigue around it. Some said that her the brake lines to her sports car had been cut. She was driving down out of the mountains of Monaco down to the city and lost control of her car. There were a lot of things that were said about her death, a lot of conspiracies and a lot of truth, I'm sure. Today in 2001, Americans packed churches, clogged public squares on a day of remembrance of the victims of September 11th. President George W. Bush, he prayed with his cabinet, attended services at Washington National Cathedral. That was today in 2001. Then he flew to New York. This was the day where he waded into the ruins on the World Trade Center and took the bullhorn that that guy, that fireman, I think he was, that had it. And he said, you know, they said, can you hear me now? And he said, yeah, we can hear you. And, and the whole country can hear you. And soon the world's going to hear you. Remember that famous that famous response, it was one of the more famous things that President Bush said spontaneously. That happened today in 2001. America was still stunned. We had never been attacked in that way before. Five years ago today, Hillary Clinton's campaign released a letter from her doctor. The doctor said she is recovering well from pneumonia. A lot of people didn't believe she had pneumonia. She had a little bit of dementia and she had some other issues. But anyway, they said it was pneumonia. And the doctor said she remains, quote, fit to serve as president of the United States. Well, the people saw otherwise. They did not elect her. One year ago today, the Associated Press said this. In Northern California, for a briefing on the West Coast wildfires that killed dozens of people and burned millions of acres, President Donald Trump dismissed the scientific consensus that climate change was playing a central role in historic fires. 
He renewed his unfounded claim that failure to rake forest floors and clear dead timber, that's called forest management in the real world, those of us who grew up on the land, as I did and many of you did, we don't rake the forest floors. I mean, that's part of the process, but that's called forest management, which the liberals have pretty much done away with. And that's why we have the kinds of fires and the intensity of these fires today. It's because the the tree huggers have been able to get laws passed that don't allow or disallow any kind of forest management. That's the problem. Anybody who's a forest expert will tell you that. I mean, all of the people who give straight answers say that, but not the left. Not the left. And the Associated Press, of course, is playing right into that. Anyway, they said he renewed his unfounded claim that failure to rake the forest floors and clear dead timber was mostly to blame. Then they say Democrat Joe Biden labeled Trump a climate arsonist. Well, now, President Biden, he likes to label a lot of people a lot of different things. President Joe Biden urged Californians yesterday to vote no on Governor Gavin Newsom's recall, while he repeatedly slammed Newsom's opponent, a black man, Larry Elder, a really good guy, pretty committed guy, definitely conservative, has a strong Christian testimony that he gives. I've never met him, but I've listened to him. I've followed him. I've paid attention to him. It's a big deal in California. Today they're electing, they're deciding whether to elect Larry Elder or keep Gavin Newsom. So President Biden flew out there yesterday. He arrived in Long Beach after visiting in Idaho and Sacramento to participate in events relating to recent wildfires. Biden took the stage for a campaign event, quickly propped up Newsom as one of the, I'm quoting him, one of the best governors in the country. Hardly anybody believes that. Even the people that support him in California don't believe it, but he's one of them. One of the best governors in the country. Then he began to attack the frontrunner opponent, Larry Elder, as being anti-woman, anti-worker, and anti or climate denier. President Biden said, the eyes of the nation, (laughs) this is not hyperbole, he said, the eyes of the nation are on California because the decision you are about to make isn't just going to have a huge impact on California, it's going to reverberate around the nation, and quite frankly, not a joke, around the world. Biden, they had really worked at getting out a huge crowd, kind of Trump-like, 20, 30, 40,000 people, that kind of thing. He was speaking <laughs> to this crowd. They wanted it to be big. I mean, they have been working that. I've heard from people in the area, and they said they were really promoting it. There were 1,100 people there. I don't know how people walk down the paths they walk down and vote for the people they vote for to run our country when they they can't run anything, even their own lives, often. But he continued, he said, well, this year, this year, the leading Republican running for governor is the closest thing to a Trump clone that I have ever seen. Talking about Larry Elder. He said, no, I really mean it. 
and he's leading the other team. He's a clone of Donald Trump. Well, the Los Angeles Times, they've been doing their part. They took a picture that looked like Larry Elder was hitting someone who had turned out for a rally that he was doing here a week or so ago. And they ran the picture with the that gives the reader the impression that he was striking someone with his hand, a woman, in fact. And they called him a woman abuser. Then other pictures came out of the same incident from other angles. And he wasn't doing that at all. He was raising his hand to touch his head or something like that while he was talking to her. It's bizarre. This has really gone over the edge in California. So pray that... Pray that God will intervene in this thing down there, because I'll tell you, uh, the world probably is watching. California is a major financial uh, state in America and in the world, for that matter. But that's taking place. We'll be talking more about the outcome of that. It's interesting um, what has happened there. It parallels kind of what happened in the last presidential election. I've been paying attention to it. Um, most of the polls have shown that it was very close between Larry Elder and Newsom. The people that wanted Newsom to remain in office, as opposed to the people who wanted him recalled as governor because he's done such a horrible job, and he has. I mean, he's just invoked all of the policies that Joe Biden is in. He's doing the same thing in California that Biden's doing to the country right now. And he's getting pretty much the same results. So about half of the people, I, I mean, it's been very close. I mean, it's been within a couple of points over the last number of weeks. And then all of a sudden, about a week or so ago, week and a half ago, all of a sudden I started seeing polls that show, no, no, it, it's not close. Newsom is 16 points ahead. It just flipped. All of a sudden it was almost an identical a reflection, an echo of what happened in the presidential election. I don't know what's going on there, but it doesn't that doesn't fit normally how people think and how they change their minds because nothing has changed except the numbers. So we'll see what happens, but I don't know, I won't say more than that, but you can fill in the blanks with your own opinion. But that's what's happening in California. We'll keep you posted. We'll probably talk about a little bit tomorrow about what's happening there in California today on Tuesday as they have their election. I got this letter that I want to share with you. It's a little longer than a note that I usually comment on that we get from our, our listeners on this program. But it says, Dear Gary, I spent 19 months in Germany in a Pershing-1 nuclear missile unit from November 69 to May of 1971 as a deterrent to keep communist Russia from getting expansion at the wall that they had built, not to keep West Germany out, but to keep East Germans from leaving the poverty of communism. We lost there due to liberals in Congress and a dominated press by radical left-wing idealized uh, Democrats. America is now governed by the Marxist communist left that now hates America not because of their zealous utopian dreams, but because Christians don't know their Bible. They're all too attracted to the mammon of this world and easy living, living, too busy, too timid, too lazy to get involved, living deep in debt like the world to afford the financial cost of getting involved to hold politicians accountable. In Matthew 16, 18, 
this man. So he's been a longtime contributor. To my knowledge, I've never met him personally, but he's he's supported this ministry a very for years. I don't think I've met him, but I, I know him through the notes he's written. I know his heart. He said, living deep in debt like the world to afford the financial cost of getting involved to hold politicians accountable. In Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. That's not defensive language. The meaning is offensive. The church should be shoving back, but a dead church has no zeal. Think about that. Our pulpits are silent on every moral issue. Try explaining Matthew 5.13. That's about ye are the salt of the earth. Um, and if the salt loses its savor, um, it's good for nothing. That's the verse. That's Jesus talking. Matthew 5.13.14 says you are the light of the world. We all, most of us know that verse. Anyway, he said, try explaining Matthew 5.13 to our modern average Christian next to us in church. Yawn. We are where we are because of the silent pulpits on abortion, LGBTQ lifestyle, silent on destructive drugs, alcoholism, pornography, etc. And he names a list of things. Thank you for what you do. God has called you and put you behind the microphone. May God bless you with long life and continual courage as we move forward. Warmest regards, his name. Thank you. And thank you to all of you who support this ministry. I don't take time to talk about it because we only have a half an hour. Often, I wish we had an hour. I, I do. Uh, we don't, though. But we try to cover as much material as we can during this half hour. Got this note from Wenatchee. Beloved, with a generous check every month. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. I think you know that that's 3 John 1, 2. That is the word of the Lord. I, I receive that, by the way. I want to live long and be in good health, and I want my soul to prosper, because that's the most important thing. Got this note. Gary Randall, we listen to you on KPDQ here in Salem, Oregon. Thank you for your work. Thank you for your contribution, and to those of you who are listening on KPDQ and out of Portland, in Southwest Washington and throughout Oregon. Um, we need your support. If you believe in what we're doing, we pay the bill every month and we're not uh, taking in enough from this market, the Oregon Southwest Washington market to pay the bill. So we need your, your help if we're gonna be able to continue on KPDQ and I believe we will be and we, we want to and we believe God wants us on that station. So stand up and join us as these have done and others have done. Thank you so much. And thank all of you for your support. I, I don't take time I, to talk about it. I, I know most do, and there's fundraisers and there's all kinds of stuff like that. Um, we're just kind of counting on God to speak to your heart and counting on you to respond rather than spending so much time on this program every day. And we don't do it asking for your support. Thank you. For understanding yeah we'll give the address of course but we're not going to take a lot of time as we have today we've taken three minutes but we're not going to take our time to do that i believe god will speak to your heart and i believe you will do what he directs you to do first samuel chapter 2 verse 9 says he will keep the feet of his saints and the wicked shall be silent in darkness 
for by strength shall no man prevail. What that says is God is in control and God is dealing with things and God's going to keep your feet. He's going to look out for you because he cares for you. Never, ever forget that. A Sammamish Washington High School is in the national news last night. They banned students from wearing red, white, and blue for their Patriots Day football game last Friday night because the educators said a demonstration of patriotism could be racially insensitive and offensive to some individuals. These kids were trying to honor the red, white, and blue, the flag, kind of like Francis Scott Key or Frank Key, as he was known in those days, did when he wrote his poem at Fort McHenry. The school principal said the student-led expression of patriotism could unintentionally cause offense to some who see differently the red, white, and blue. Welcome to your taxpayer-funded public education. And this happened in an upscale suburb of Seattle, Sammamish. The students were stunned and mad. So were many of the parents. I know people who live in Sammamish. I suspect the school administration would have been fine with it had the students led a demonstration in downtown Seattle demanding that the city, say, give Chief Seattle his name back with reparations for its unauthorized use and the abuse of indigenous people and on and on and on. They would have been fine with that. But oh no, oh no, or something similar. If they'd have been marching against whomever, Abraham Lincoln, fine, they have a right to do that. In the Instagram announcement from student leaders, it read, Red, White, and Blue Friday, dress in your USA best. These are student leaders, kids, this generation, 16 to 18-year-old kids. The announcement has since been removed from Instagram. Jason Rance, a Seattle talk show host, those of you in Seattle are aware of him, and perhaps elsewhere, he says students wanted to do something to remember the tragic events, but staff intervened. Well, indeed, they did intervene. The principal said it could unintentionally cause offense to some who see it differently. The blow-up started when the student leadership at East Lake High School in Sammamish, they weren't even born when 9-11 happened. And they have been the ones upon whom accurate history has been withheld until it can be revised, wanted to make their Friday night football game an expression of pride and patriotism for our country, thinking who could possibly not agree with that? Well, their teachers and their administrators disagreed. They wanted to honor those who lost their lives to terrorists. Who would not want to do that? Well, the administration didn't want to do that. The public school would have none of it. The principal claimed wearing those colors could unintentionally cause offense to some who see it differently. And they repeated this phrase again and again and again. These educators. The school pulled the plug on the patriotic student leaders. The student body learned of the decision Friday morning during announcements. They were all set to go to wear their red, white, and blue clothes, whatever. The kids are mad. They're confused and disappointed. And so are their parents. And I'm glad. They should be. One student leader said on Rance's talk show yesterday, as at this point, I was fairly upset and confused as to why the theme was changed. To So I went around asking students in our leadership, what happened? Administration said it would be seen by some as racially insensitive, I was told. 
It was then that kids began to get it. Racially insensitive. What in the world does honoring those who died in 9-11 and wearing red, white, and blue have to do with racial insensitivity? Well, a lot, if you're a left so-called progressive. Eastlake was playing a team from a predominantly black Rainier Beach suburb of Seattle. And and these overseers of your children at your expense were saying, no, 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 we don't know this, but it might, it might, the red, white, I mean, is that racism? Yes, it is in their minds. One mother emailed the principal, this Chris Beatty, to ask what happened. She was shocked by the response. The response from Chris Beatty, the principal of Eastlake High School, our leadership teachers made this decision and explained it to students, Beatty said. I know tomorrow is 9-11. This was last Friday. I know tomorrow is 9-11 and understand the sacrifice and values our flag represents. No, he doesn't. But I think they just don't want to unintentionally cause offense to some who see it differently. Associate Principal Darcy uh, Brainerd shared the same identical statement with another parent who demanded an explanation. However, neither Principal Beatty nor District Communications Director Shannon uh, Parthamer explained who would take offense and why wearing red, white, and blue would be offensive to begin with. No one seemed to know, or they wouldn't say. Rance got Parthamer on his show and asked a little bit about this. She assured him this is the lie. She assured him there was no implication towards the opposing team. Well, if there wasn't implication according the opposing team, what was it? Nobody can say. They don't know. They're so indoctrinated. No, not the children, the leaders, the educators. They're so indoctrinated in their progressivism that they can't even speak the truth. They can't make a decision and then stand with it. Finally, she admitted publicly on the radio on Jason's show yesterday, she admitted that one unnamed staff member was responsible for making the decision to cancel the theme. Now, is that true? I don't know. Maybe they're just blaming an unnamed staff member. The media thrives in anonymous <laughs> comments and anonymous people said this and that and anonymous people say Trump should be removed and Biden should be installed, not as president, but as, I mean, whatever. This was that kind of thing. In fact, Beatty admitted admitted that he was not actually in the loop on the decision until it became a local, then a national news story. He said, I understand your perspective. I was not looped into this conversation until an hour ago, he told one parent. I do not want to. Cl- I do want to clarify that schools do not have a right to ban students from wearing anything as long as it is not lewd, vulgar, etc. And the theme, red, white, and blue, definitely would not fit that category. Oh well, thank you for clarifying that. That is the nonsense that you send your child off to on the yellow bus every day. I am an advocate for education. We've got to be educated. We've got to be informed. We've got to know. But public education has devolved to where that's not what it's about anymore. It's about in, it's about twisting the minds of our children to believe a, a, a policy-based, progressive, relativistic basis of thinking. 
which has no fixed values. They call whatever they believe on a given day a value. That's not a value. It's a tool to advance whatever it is that they're trying to advance. Values are eternal values, or they're not values at all. They're ideas. Ryan Ware is the Eastgate senior class president. Nice kid from what I could observe. He's a member of the football team. He told told Rance, he said the students were eager eager to wear the red, white, and blue clothes and were disappointed. He said, Nobody thought this was like going to be controversial. We were just like being patriotic. He said, we disagreed and were extremely disappointed. He said, I couldn't believe their reasoning. He's talking about his teachers, his school, his principal. More than one student noted the hypocrisy of it all. One student said the school is about inclusivity. He said, we hear it all the time, but just not when it comes to representing our country. <laughs> Another student said, I was instantly upset and frustrated. If the East Lake is all about including everyone's beliefs and being together as family, then why are we being told we can't represent the country that we live in? He said, I've seen other Lake Washington school district football teams that held a flag or did some kind of memorial recognition towards 9-11, but apparently we're not allowed to even wear USA colors. Another student said, I was fairly upset and ended up not going to the game. It was kind of confusing as to why the topic was so controversial that we couldn't wear clothing. Yeah, I would say the same thing. And I'm not 18. Yes, son, a lot of what's going on in public education is confusing, but parents are slowly but surely catching up to the activist group of teachers and administrators operating on taxpayer dollars, trying to re-educate and remake America through the minds of our children. Not all teachers and administrations are political or social activists. There's many fine conservative teachers in the public school systems. I have said it before. My daughter-in-law is one of them. She is a staunch believer, conservative, Christian, and she's in public school, but they're not in the majority. But a few flaming activists are using education, public education, as a platform to push an agenda. And silence allows that to progress. One parent said they were stunned. This is always the potential that there's always the potential that someone may be offended by something, but this decision baffles me, this parent said. I would argue that many people are offended by the decision to ban the theme of wearing red, white, and blue. If there's one thing that has the potential to unite us all, it's that we're all Americans. But that doesn't unite us anymore because they have created an alternative America. And they're trying to push it through our children. I don't believe that one teacher arbitrarily made that decision. I believe they're not telling the truth personally, but I can't prove that. But I will tell you one thing. Public education is in dire straits. And it's because of stupidity like this. The superintendent of Lake Washington School District put out a memo yesterday. I don't have time to read it, but I'll include it in the article that I write tomorrow at faithandfreedom.us. Thanks for being with me today. We'll continue right here tomorrow.